Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. My name is Andrew Hogan. I'm filling in for Emilio Despirito today. I can be reached at 401-588-2002. This morning, we're going to be joined by four different guests to kind of talk about some different areas of the industry and what's going on in Rhode Island. Our first guest this morning is Vincent Bakari. He's the Mitigation Director from Rhode Island Restoration. And Vincent can be reached at 401-414-1111. Good morning, Vinny. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing How well are today. How's it going? Good, thanks. So we're going to we're gonna kind of dive into it a little bit this morning to talk. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit exactly what you do first? Yeah, so I myself am the Mitigation Director here at Rhode Island Restoration. Um, you know, I oversee the entire mitigation department and, you know, what mitigation is. I know everybody hears it, wants to say it, but it's uh, a little bit confusing to hear. But it's just have bottom line water loss in your house, soot loss in your house, whatever it is, you know, different types of things, mold, asbestos, things like that. Um, we are a restoration company. We come in and we help clean that up. So, you know, water damage being, you know, behind the walls, behind any sheetrock you might have, plaster, whatever. We'll come, we'll take it out. We drop commercial drawing equipment. We treat it for any possible mold growth or to pre prevent that as well. And then, you know, on the other side, you have um, cleaning needs too. Um, sometimes you have a blowback from the furnace or you have a fire in your house, um, minor kitchen fire as or as big as a, you know, giant fire, God forbid. But you call us in, we'll come clean it up um, and, uh, you know, stick to the proper processes through IIC or CRC, uh, excuse me, standards and stuff, which is the, standard for the industry and um you know we uh we do our we are a full service um so we do have the mitigation department and also the reconstruction department as well so you know as fast as we can put it back we can uh, take it out excuse me we can also put it back so um that's a little bit about us um i know we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it but yeah so what what are some of the signs that people you know because obviously i mean you guys cover you know a, a good a good range of um of services but what are some of the things that people can be on the lookout for um you know what are some of the signs that they could that they might you know might indicate that they would need to call you guys yeah sure so um as far as water damage goes you know that's usually the common loss you know probably like 80 percent of our uh phone calls are about water so you'll usually see you know when it's visible that's usually when we get a call so you'll see your little wrinkling down um you know the paint on the walls sometimes or you'll notice some water marking on your ceiling which is you know most likely due to the roof or the floor above um and then sometimes it's obvious you know hot water heater goes and then you're just like oh you're in a panic i mean you can call the fire department you can also call us um we do have water extraction services as well so that does fit into our realm um but and then for you know, soot damage, you know, smoke and stuff like that. You might notice some black soot looking stuff, you know, coming from the um, baseboard heat. That's typically from like a blowback from your furnace yep. um, around the vent areas. And that typically gets everywhere. Um, now, sometimes you'll have a fire and you won't notice that there's anything, you know, you might on the surface, it's a small fire, but you might not see any soot anywhere. But then a couple of days on the road, you might see it kind of show itself. Um, or you might notice the smell. You know, sometimes the smell sticks around, but there's no real, you know, wall damage or anything like that. So with that stuff, it's more visible than anything. You'll notice it to the touch. I have a little bit of black soot on your hands. Um, Mold-wise, I mean, I feel like most homeowners and, and a lot of people do know what mold looks like at this point, but it does come in various different colors. Um, you know, bottom line, it's, you know, still mold. 
but there are proper ways to clean it. Um, but yep. you'll see a little, you might notice a little musty smell too. Um, and then um, I guess some, you know, not everyone knows what asbestos looks like, but hazardous materials and things like that too. Um, you might be called out by, you know, in, in your case, maybe a home inspector or, right. um, you know, a lot of people in the business at some point, once you get a few years of experience, really start to have an eye for it. So you might notice it, want to get it um, abated and out of there. So um, that comes in different forms, you know, piping, pipe insulation, um, attic insulation, vermiculite, and then also um, floor tiling and the mastic below the tile as well. So that's, it does sound like there's, you know, some visible signs that it would make it easy for people to tell when they see these things. And now, so when they do find that they have these issues in their home, why is it so important to hire a professional restoration company, you know, when it comes to water, fire, storm, mold, damage, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason you want to call us is because, you know, a lot of the times it's a general understanding is pretty much across the board for everybody. You know, you, know, you kind of know what to do. You want to dry the water. You want to kill the mold. You want to do this, that. But there are specific processes for these things that, which is why we exist, because we want to do them properly. So in a water case, you know, mold can form within 24 to 48 hours, depending on the environment that it's in. So, you know, whether it's a more humid environment, it can grow faster and it can really expedite that process. And the reason you want to call us for something like that is to prevent that mold growth from happening. And the faster you can react, the faster you notice it, the easier it's going to be for us to come in and the less that's going to spread. Because in water's case, water's going to go everywhere it's dry. And it's going to keep seeking and seeking and seeking until it finds, you know, until it just finally runs out. But it can run for quite a while, especially if the problem's ongoing. So what happens in that process, as that water's continuing to travel, it continues to sit there. And over time, you'll see mold and then it gets worse and worse and you'll see rot. So when you call us in, we come in, we actually cut out that area and then we put in drying equipment. We spray, spray it with an antimicrobial to uh, prevent any mold growth after that. And then we monitor that to make sure with a moisture meter, it tells us the content of that you know, framing that we just exposed mm -hmm. to then show you know, okay, we're within our drying goal because we'll set a drying goal. You want to be within like, you know, two to 4% ideally of what it was originally. So say the moisture content was like 4% before you want to be right around that in the two, two to 4% range um, after the drying equipment did its thing. And so now what's the difference between, you know, a restoration contractor and just a general contractor? A restoration contractor, I mean, you can't really see it, but behind me, there's a, uh, um, a plaque there. We're certified in restoration um, subjects, so water restoration technicians. We have um, I own realtor and trauma and crime scene. I do that as well. Um, but we're certified to a standard, which is the IICRC, which is just the cleaning and the institution standard. Um, they all have different books that you adhere to, and they have set processes on how to properly remediate and abate everything. And we get certified in these things because we know the specific ins and outs, because there are some situations that are definitely unique, um, where a general contractor is typically putting things back together. Um, we, as a restoration contractor, when we take stuff out, we also know what we need to tell that general contractor when they come in, you know, things to look out for, things that we did because they might be thinking mold in the next part of the process, where we can tell them we've already treated that. Um, 
and then also with fire damage and things like that, making sure like, okay, when we take stuff out, is the structure, so to speak, structurally sound? And you can also see that, you know, coming from us, that way they're prepared. So again, to kind of wrap that up, it's, you know, we are the ones who are more specialized in taking things out, but also treating what's behind it to prevent any further damage. That's the key to our side of the business is to prevent secondary damage. And then the general contractor, you know, they can take the stuff out too, but they may not necessarily know as much as us and they might lean on us even if they are the ones that are called for some of our expertise in that, um, you know, area of the business and in that kind of damage. So on a larger scale, you know, rehab or project, it actually would benefit people to kind of work with the two of you in tandem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even use us as a consultant if it's not a crazy amount of damage or if the general contractor had questions or anything. They could always consult a restoration contractor because they'll have the knowledge. And a lot of the time, we'll know what's going on without even seeing it. And it could be, you know, judged off of photos because they're usually straightforward. But I know I mentioned some unique scenarios, which is why you want to have us there just in case one of those does arise. Because, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You might see some water damage there, but there could be a whole different story once you start pulling stuff out. And then you might need us. So now who should who should be calling RI Restoration? Like who's the ideal candidate? Who's you know, what should these people be looking for? Is there a project too big? Is there a project too small? No, so we, we do just about everything. I mean, it's it, it, going to vary by shop, but for us specifically, it's, you know, we do residential, we do commercial, industrial, everything. Um, and then if there's bigger projects, you know, you bring other people in for some expertise and some help, um, you know, just for the manpower. But um, anybody can call us. Um, we, we serve everyone, you know, homeowners, um, renters with a landlord, you know, you call rent landlord, run them by it, some real estate right. agents, uh, brokerages. We do a lot of work with uh, property management companies. Um, you know, anyone with damage in their home who wants it fixed or wants it addressed. Um, we, you know, we do free consultations. So if you have a question, we'll go out, we'll check it out for you. And we can give you, um, you know, a path of recommendation because a lot of the times if you see, you know, we see a lot of attics and a lot of basements too. Um, and uh, with that being said, the basement situation is, it's tricky sometimes because it's a groundwater issue or you might want to have a, we might recommend you have a foundation guy come out and check that out and then call us back because mm-hmm. we don't want you to have to keep the same problem. And that before you even had the initial problem fixed, the first part is identifying what the problem is to make sure that you don't have to keep, you know, spending your money on us again and again, as much as we would love that. Right. And we love our customers, but we also want you to be happy with our services. And our job is to make sure you don't have to call us back. Right. You want to get those problems solved uh, on your first time going out there. Um, but Vinny, I, wa- I really want to thank you for being here today. Uh, I feel like this was really informative. Um, and I think that everybody can be pretty confident knowing that they can call Rhode Island Restoration if they have any issues. So again, we were joined by Vincent Bakari of Rhode Island Restoration. He's the mitigation director. He can be reached at 401-414-1111. Vinny, thank you so much for being here today, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. Have a good week. Take care. Next, we're going to be joined by George Metz. He's the owner and operator of G Metz Moving and Storage. George can be found at 401-383-6399. This is the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 AM, 1047 FM. I'm Andrew Hogan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show. I'm Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Dispirito today. I can be reached at 401 401- 
Our next guest is George Metz. He's the owner and operator of G Metz Moving and Storage. George can be reached at 401-383-6399. Good morning, George. Morning, Andrew. How's everything? Excellent. Thank you. How are you? Good. Good. What's going on in the industry right now? What are we seeing? What's what's some of our updates? We're going to talk to you a little bit today. Um, not necessarily about the moving as much today, but we're going to be talking a lot about the storage options that you guys provide over at GMETs and what uh, what our consumers can kind of be expecting. Okay, so uh, lately we have seen a lot of different things when it comes to the storage side of it, whether it's short-term storage where the customer, we get out there, we're doing the move, they know they have a closing on Monday, they have to wait a week or two for the property to either be ready, inspected, or they are just finding the right home and they're starting that process, which was a little bit behind the other. So we have short-term options. Normally we consider short-term storage within one month. So if you come in on the 15th and you're out before the end of the month, short-term. If you're in from the 15th to the 15th, we still consider that a short-term storage option. Um, Then there are even shorter-term storage where we could just put the items for a night or two on one of our vehicles that would actually be parked in our building at the end of the evening um, and it stays locked secured um, over a night or two after that it's definitely more cost effective to just have it uh, put in a temporary storage swing space for a quick load and offload with if it's a you know anything more than two or three days you definitely want to just have us take it off put it in a holding spot in our warehouse and then reload it again later. So we do have to touch it multiple times, uh, but the cost most of the time is weighed out where uh, it's cheaper for us to physically offload it and reload it than just mm-hmm. keep it on a truck and paying overnight fees for a, a truck. And so now where, um, when, when people are using your storage units, do they ever move the products into the storage units themselves? Or is that, is it all kind of like a one-stop shop with you guys? No, you, like in no, all so, so, yes, everything that we do is a la carte. The only thing that we do not have is a public side of our storage facility. So um, if you were to store with us, you don't have a punch code at the gate to get in and get to your belongings. So we have what would be considered warehouse-styled storage. So you would call, most of the time we say, if you call us within 24 hours and you need access, we could go in, get to your unit, Um, get it down for you because most of our units are in individual storage vaults. Mm -hmm. So we can go in with a forklift, pick them up with a forklift and bring them right to the door instead of you, the clients or or anybody walking all the way through the facility. So realistically, to me, it is a safer option because public storage, you don't know who your neighbor is. And granted, in our warehouse, you don't know who your neighbor is. But at this point, you don't have to worry about What's happening with them? Are, are you going to be there when they're there? You're trying to sort through your boxes at a public facility and you have to put it in a hallway. And now your neighbor is trying to get stuff out and you're both right on top of each other. Those are things that you wouldn't have to deal with when storing with us. Um, but again, we don't have um, 24 or even 12 to 16 hour access. It's normally 24 hour notice and we we prepare it and get it prepared for you to come in, sort through your belongings. And then there's even times where the customers will call and say, hey, we need our five boxes of winter clothes. We'll go into their unit. 
will get the five boxes of the winter clothes for them and then get them delivered out to them at a later date or have them prepared for them to pick them up, whatever is needed. Yeah, which I mean, I feel like generally speaking, it, that's not a big deal to people anyway. Because if you're putting something in storage, if you're willing to box something up and put it in storage, for the most part, in your head, you're not thinking you're going to need that anytime soon. So yep. I feel like taking all of the liability away and just the peace of mind of knowing that there's a, a full staff managing all of my, you know, all of my property, all of my equipment, all of my, you know, whatever it may be, my furniture, that that speaks volume and that's worth something to me. Yeah, it is. And, and again, I mean, even even just for pricing and knowing what's going on, our prices versus a public storage facility are very close and very reasonable. It's what else are you getting with it? Right. Um, where, again, pros, you have public facilities that some of them, depending on where you go, have 24 hour access. But again, are you going to go there at eight o'clock at night to start ser searching for your stuff? Probably not. Um, so when we get that, you know, some customers will be, well, I could go right down the road and it's $2 cheaper, but I have access all the time. Well, how often are you going to go in after five o'clock? Right. Right. Um, and then also you have to now get there at five o'clock and you're sorting through your stuff that you had a professional mover put into that unit. Now you have to offload it and then reload it the same way. So everything fits again. Right. Where, correct. So now when it comes to our facility, you call and say, hey, you know what? We're prepared for our living room and our bedroom. The rest of the house isn't ready. Uh, they're still doing floors. They're still doing painting. We could just deliver the living room and bedroom set and keep the remainder in storage and do it kind of um, piecemeal, right? A little bit here, a little bit there. And they're shrinking their storage. And again, difference uh, pro for us. Ours are individual storage vaults. Uh, vaults. But with a public facility, if you rent a 10 by 10 unit, you're in a 10 by 10 unit, no matter how much stuff you take out, you would have to downsize your unit and move it to another unit where with us, if you empty out a vault, your storage rate is going to go down mm -hmm. and you might have you might come in and you might have five storage vaults and your couple rooms are ready. We limit and we get a few of those items out, when you go from five to three, your storage rate is gonna go down. And we don't have, you, there's no more additional labor to that. So now I'm a consumer and I'm trying to figure out exactly what the best route to take for myself is. What is, you know, what are the varying timeframes that you see people keep their things in storage for? Like if I, if I have a, a new build, you know, a new yep. construction that I'm not totally sure on the timeline, it could be three months, it could be seven, eight months, depending on, you know, all the varying factors. Is there a time frame that's too long for you? Will you, or will you guys pretty much generally have a plan for everyone? We have a plan for everyone. So mm -hmm. we we have had people in uh, as little as one week um, of storage. Uh, we have people in uh, just yesterday. We delivered a truckload that we loaded up on Friday. So it stayed on the truck Friday and we delivered it yesterday uh, after their closing in the afternoon. So we have very short and we have had clients that have done builds. Uh, we had a client uh, a few years back. They were in our storage facility for five years. Um, they moved out of a very nice home in East Greenwich. They were building a home in upstate New York uh, with supply chain issues back then dur during the, the height of COVID. Their construction site pretty much came to a halt. Uh, it was supposed to be only a four-year uh, 
project. It turned into a fifth year. We didn't have a problem with it. Um, on our side, we were able to hold on to it for as long as is needed. So uh, I mean, we still have clients in storage from 2014 and 2015 of just their extra stuff. And every now and then they'll come by, uh, maybe switch out some dining room furniture, maybe switch out some bedroom furniture because, you know, cousin uh, Frank is coming in from out of state and, you know, his old bedroom set they still have. And they'll literally have us come out, switch out a bedroom set while cousin Frank is in. And then when he leaves, we go back and switch it back out. For those of you that are just joining us, we're, uh, we're joined right now by George Metz. He's the owner and operator over at GMetz Moving and Storage. You can find George at 401-383-6399. So, George, let's talk a little bit about what happens in the event of a staggered closing. A staggered closing, you know, that someone wasn't necessarily prepared for. Something, you know, a, a freak incident occurred and, you know, one of the houses can't close on time. And now the person who's selling their home, but, you know, wants to make sure that they keep that closing date as scheduled because of all the varying factors for the buyer. What does someone like that do? How can they, you know, how do you guys take care of that client? So that client, when they call, a lot of the times it is not known until closing day, right? It's it's most of the time it's that day. Maybe they're getting that call. Hopefully, you know, if they're dealing with with people like yourself and, and from your team, they're going to know as soon as you know. Right. So the the worst part is, is when they're dealing with somebody that isn't as in communication with them. And it's what they're assuming is back to back closings on Tuesday. And they contracted us for Tuesday to come in, load everything up and deliver it later that day. And all of a sudden we can't deliver um, again. We can leave it on a vehicle overnight. Um, there have been situations where we're getting that phone call at three o'clock on move day. The truck is fully loaded. We were supposed to unload starting at two o'clock after the, the second closing. And they're saying, oh, it can't get on record with the town. It'll have to be tomorrow morning. Insurance won't cover you guys or won't cover my belongings if they're in the home. So what we do is depending on our schedule, once when you're a client, you're always a client. Um, and we actually had that situation happen um, this morning. So yesterday we had that client that had loaded on Friday and delivered on Monday. Well, we couldn't start unloading there until three o'clock uh, last night. We got there at three o'clock um, in the afternoon. We offloaded the truck. We got everything to where they wanted it. And then there was still a half a truck left of a second vehicle that was going there with more of their belongings. And we couldn't finish because the home did not have uh, electricity on the second floor for some reason. They had no idea why. So uh, unfortunately, we couldn't finish yesterday. Um, we were doing everything we could on our side between cell phone flashlights and everything else. But we just didn't want to get to a point where something got damaged, somebody got injured. So we talked with the customer and luckily we have good clients and we called our client, one of our clients this morning, who we do a lot with. And we said, hey, is there any way we can get to you at 12 o'clock instead of your eight o'clock time frame? We have to finish up this client, make sure that they're good and then we will get to you. Luckily, that client said yes to make it work smoother, uh, but we had more than enough guys to accomplish what we needed to. But at the same point, we weren't going to have our, um, I'll say the customer that wasn't fully prepared for everything. We weren't going to leave them stuck either. So we contacted one of our clients, made sure it was OK um, instead of just not showing up or not 
making the phone call. Um, so we made the phone call, made sure that they were good. And luckily that client was able to do so just to make our day that much smoother. But if not, we have you know more than 20 people in the field today uh, at all different job sites. So we would have accomplished it. It just made our life a little bit easier because another customer was willing to you know, adjust on their side. So we do whatever we can to make it work. Yeah, George, you and your staff, you're, you guys are always great. You're always very responsive. You, you, you take really good care of all the clients. That's why we're always so confident referring people to you guys for moving and storage. Um, so again, George Metz, the owner and operator of GMetz Moving and Storage. He can be reached at 401-383-6399. George, thank you so much for being here today with us. Andrew, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure talking with you guys. It's a, always a good experience and always love assisting your clients with everything we can. Likewise. Great to see you. Thanks, George. Next, we're going to be joined by Dustin Brown. He's an investment advisor from PFS Investments. I am Andrew Hogan, filling in for Emilio Despirito today on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 AM and 1047 FM. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. My name is Andrew Hogan. I'm filling in for Emilio Despirito today from the Despirito Team. We want to thank all of our guests who have been joining us today. And our next guest is going to be Dustin Brown. He's an investment advisor from PFS Investments. Dustin, good morning. Good morning. How's it going over there? Awesome. Awesome. I'm on, uh, I was telling me, I'm on, I'm on cup number two of coffee, so I won't have a problem talking here. <laughs> it's it's one of those Tuesdays, you know, you just wake up, you got to get right after it. Um, right. So we're going to talk a little bit today um, about life insurance. So, so why don't you tell us, uh, for starters, why buy life insurance? Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, and I get that question a lot. And and what I, I like to say is life insurance has a funny name. Uh, because if you know you have car insurance, if you get in an accident, you total your car, the life uh, the car insurance policy is gonna replace your car. Uh, if you have homeowners insurance, you know, your your house burns down to the ground, homeowners insurance is gonna replace your house. Uh, but life insurance, if you know, if you have a life insurance policy and you die, it's not gonna bring you back from the dead, right? <laughs> uh so we we say it has a funny name because it's not going to do that. And we actually like to call it income protection instead of life insurance. Um, and that's really one of the main reasons why you buy life insurance is to protect your income if you have somebody who's depending on that income. Yeah. So say, you know, you're a younger single guy, you know, single guy, single female, whatever it may be. You don't have any dependents yet. What is the how do how can we properly lead someone like that in the direction of buying life insurance? And what's I don't want to say the sales pitch, but what is kind of the angle to, you know, more or less sell them on procuring this life insurance policy? Yeah, if somebody's young, they don't have any dependents. If they really the first thing we look at is who who's who's going to suffer financially if you die prematurely. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't have any dependents, you don't have any children, no, you know, no one, no spouse. Uh, really, you just pretty much have to look at burial, you know, like who's going to pay for that? Because that's yep. the first cost that comes up. Um, so, you know, even if you have twenty, thirty thousand dollars saved up in a retirement plan, a lot of people have 401ks that they've started even putting ten thousand dollars into it. You know, that's going to be left behind to somebody. Um, so, you know, the need for it is not as great with somebody who doesn't have dependents. Um, yeah, I will say everybody's situation is unique. So, <laughs> you know, this is not a financial advice to the to the world here, you know, but uh, generally speaking, uh, the other part of that is if you think that you may run into, I know it's hard to predict what kind of medical scenarios might come up, 
uh, like me, I, I go to a dermatologist once a year, you know, they've, they've saw things like, Hey, all right, let's, you know, let's keep an eye on, on, on your skin. Uh, when I was young, I said, okay, man, maybe I should get insurance while I still qualify, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you don't have dependents, if you're young and you're healthy, uh, you know, getting some type of insurance in place could also make sense if, you're, you know, if you're trying to lock in your insurability. So. Well, and so I think that's kind of a good segue into my next question. Who should be thinking about life insurance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, someone that m- may think they have some type of, uh, you know, either medical history or, or maybe something runs in their family. If you're healthy, it's inexpensive to get, uh, you know, a type of life insurance. You know, a lot of times people look at term insurance. It's the most inexpensive way uh, to protect you with the most amount of coverage. Uh, but next step up from that if you do have somebody that is depending on you financially you know uh and really life insurance is it's it's a it's an instant estate okay so if you don't have any savings and you have a life insurance policy say for five hundred thousand dollars if you die your family automatically has a five hundred thousand dollar estate left to them you know um so if if you have somebody that you feel like hey what happens if i die what, you know, how long are they going to be able to pay the rent for? How long are they going to be able to pay the mortgage for? Look at your savings. How long is that going to last? And if you start thinking, man, it's only going to be six months a year. Sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. They don't even really have any savings. You know, that's even more important to start looking at life insurance because guess what? We don't really, no one knows when they're going to die. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a tough thing to think about, but we just don't know. The older I get, the more stories I hear, the, the, the more I realize that life is just a flicker, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's a selfless act. Life insurance is something that you leave behind. It's not there's nothing for you. It's for the people that you leave behind. So 100 um, percent. And I mean, if you you know, it's like you just said, you know, we never know and not to not to be doom and gloom. And, you know, but yeah. you, you kind of have to take the emotional aspect out of it sometimes. And you just got to think you could be potentially setting up whether you, even if you don't have any dependents, if you could be setting up your family, you could be setting up, you know, your loved ones to put them in a good position where, you know, while yeah it's, they're suffering from a loss but you know you're taking care of them even after that you know which is it's like you just said that's that's one of the most selfless acts that you can really uh that you can really accomplish so mm-hmm. for someone i i want to start a life insurance policy where should i go to buy life insurance uh yes yeah, so you know we make a joke in the industry no one really goes down to the life insurance store and buys life insurance you know because <laughs> no one likes to think about their own death you know um so what, what I really recommend is to have someone do an analysis to find out actually how much life insurance you need. Um, you know, there's a lot of agents out there that will just say, okay, how much can you afford? And then that's how much insurance they'll give you. <laughs> um, really what you should do is really sit down with somebody who can do an analysis and figure out, okay, how much life insurance do you actually need to have to leave your family off in either the same or better scenario? Uh, and then they can kind of tailor a program to you and for you. Uh, that's that's really the first step is just having an analysis done by a professional. And I always say, you know, one of the benefits of working with an actual agent is you can throw the 1-800 numbers out the window. You know, I give my clients my cell phone number and uh, I'm basically surgically attached to my phone. So they call me anytime. But, uh, you know, having somebody really look at your individual scenario is uh, is is the first step. That would be the first step to doing it. And then our, you know, our philosophy where, you know, my, uh, my organization is 
we're a, we're an education first company, you know, so we have a common sense philosophy. If we give our clients all the facts and they can understand how things work, people have enough common sense to make a decision for themselves. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, we right. like to educate give them the tools, give them the tools, let them make the right decision and let them, let them work with that. Right. Absolutely. So now what are the different types of life insurance? That's a great question. Uh, and I was going to mention that uh, there's pretty much two things guaranteed. You're either going to die too soon or you're going to live too long. <laughs> right. So uh, a lot of people look at term insurance and they're like, oh, man, well, this term insurance, it's only going to last for a certain amount of years. And then at the end, like, what's the deal? You know, like, what do I get out of that? Um, so we really, you know, like our philosophy is we, we typically and like I said, each individual client has individual needs. Uh, but for the most part, we recommend term insurance and then investing in, in you know, some type of investment for the for the end of the road. So. If you get 20 years down the line and you don't die, which hopefully we don't have to use our insurance, right. uh, then you'll have money at the end of that term and you you can become what's called self-insured. Um, so that that's really what we like to use to protect your income is term insurance because it's so inexpensive. Um, there are a lot of policies out there that have savings components to them. Uh, it can get extremely, extremely confusing. <laughs> um, I mean, I specialize in reading life insurance contracts. I'm a little bit crazy. I like to read the fine print. Uh, so there's a lot of types out there. Um, what I'll say is if you're, if you're considering the different types of life insurance policies, it's really helpful to talk to somebody who also has, has an investment license. Uh, because if you don't have an investment license and only have a life insurance license, you really can't talk about investments <laughs> legally. Right. So now the unique thing about you, obviously, and the the cool thing for us to kind of tie it all in, you have your real estate background. So what made you what made you kind of pivot from real estate and sort of take on life insurance? What what was it exactly that led you there? Um, I have always had a passion for life insurance and financial education. Um, you know, I grew up in Rhode Island. My uh, my mother works in a doctor's office. She's a receptionist. My father worked uh, as a construction worker. He was an insulator. Um, no one, no financial advisors ever came knocking on our door saying, hey, we want to put a financial plan together for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no one I knew had financial advisors. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, so my real estate background, I, I lived down in Washington, D.C. I was working with the top real estate team down there. The average home sale is about seven hundred thousand dollars. You know, we had multi-million dollar sales uh, and I saw a lot of people who, you know, they had financial advisors. They were doing really well. I saw the quality of life. And uh, I said, man, I just always thought about financial advising, financial education for middle income families. And I just saw the need, you know, it the financial industry has mostly targeted the top three percent. You know, the people that have, you know, over two hundred fifty, over five hundred thousand dollars in assets. Uh, I personally have a mission to help people that have less uh, you know, the, the middle income families who have basically been abandoned by uh, the financial industry. And, um, you know, that that was what brought me back and uh, how I came back into the industry was just that passion. Yeah. And that's great because you want to create those opportunities for the people that maybe don't even necessarily realize that they're right there in front of them and that they are, you know, pretty easily attainable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now... What makes you guys different from other insurance agents? Like what sets you apart? What's your kind of niche? Um, so, as I mentioned, having an investment license really helps when you're talking about a financial plan. Um, I, a lot of people who only have a life insurance license, you know, they always say, 
if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I have all my licenses with my firm. I can get every license uh, and, and I'm technically an investment advisor, you know, so I'm, I'm a financial advisor. And, you know, a lot of folks that get these licenses, they'll work with the higher net worth clients and they, you know, they don't really like selling term insurance. It's not it's not a lucrative business for for most advisors. Uh, so what separates me is I have all those licenses. I have all the training. You know, our firm we have everything that somebody that would have millions of dollars to invest. Uh, but we can meet with somebody. I can start up an investment for fifty dollars a month. You know, college education, Roth IRAs, things like that. Uh, but also advise on the life insurance side just to really tie it all together and, and create a financial plan for somebody. Yeah. And so my, my last question for you, if there's one kind of final piece of advice for someone who's, who's sort of on the fence about whether or not to get a life insurance policy, depending on their situation, you know, what, what, what's the best piece of advice that you could kind of give someone before they make that decision? Mm -hmm. Um, My first piece of advice is meet with somebody. And, 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 and I I heard somebody say, you're an adult, right? You can say no. (laughs) Right. So meet with somebody and just, ask ask questions if you don't understand everything ask more questions if you still don't understand maybe ask somebody else you know it's it's not a very complex plan uh if you really start learning about it and you know the, the industry likes to make people think it's super complicated but it's really not um so if you meet with somebody and there's people out there that don't charge to meet like we don't charge anybody to meet we can put plans together for free um you know, meet with somebody and actually sit down. You know, most most families spend more time planning for a family vacation than they do their family's whole entire financial future. Um, so just just do it. <laughs> Absolutely, it's not it's not the flashy side of side of life that people like to celebrate doing those things. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're more than confident being able to refer our clients, anybody who has questions at all, to Dustin. Um, Dustin, thank you so much for being here today, man. It was great talking to you. I really look forward to hopefully getting you on here again here soon. Dustin is an investment advisor with PFS Investments who was here today talking to us all about life insurance. You can reach Dustin at 401-236-3082. Dustin, thank you. 7082-7082. 401-236-7082. That's not a three. Uh, Dustin, thanks a lot, man. It was great talking to you. Same to you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. This is Andrew Hogan from the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 AM, 1047 FM. Our next guest is going to be Jen Jeeber from riblogger.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show. I'm Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Dispirito today. Our next guest is going to be Jen Jeeber from riblogger.com. Jen is here this morning to fill us in on some of the exciting events going on here in our state coming up in the beginning part of September. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. It's a little gloomy out here today, but, you know, we're, we're, we're here. We're fighting through it. It's true. It's true. And it's, it's starting to get that, you know, fall air. So that's kind of nice. I know it has cooled things down a little bit, which is, you know, a, a pleasant change, but we've had so much rain. It's been unbelievable. I know. I know. So what do we have? Uh, what do we have to look forward to here coming up in September? So September 8th to the 10th is the P- PVD Fest 2023. Um, it's a free outdoor art festival with performers and artists from around the corner and around the world. And um, the festival consists of live music dance, food, visual art installations, um, and so much more. You can come see why Providence is the creative capital. Again, it's the 8th to the 10th, um, so you have a lot of time to get there, and it's at Innovation District Park. Um, Saturday, September 8th to 10th, is also the 2023 Cranston Greek Festival, 
um, at seventeen fifty. Uh, sorry, one seventy five Oaklawn Ave in Cranston. Um, guests can sample a wide variety of Greek food, including roast lamb, uh, Greek style chicken, authentic dishes, all handmade, including baklava. Um, Greek walnut cake, butter cookies, and much more. There'll be cultural dancing and music all three days. Um, free parking and shuttle bus is at Cranston West High School. So again, that's also September 8th to 10th. So this is a busy weekend, lots to do. Yeah, a lot going on. September 9th is the Seven Cedars Farm Fall Festival from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Smithfield. The event features local vendors um, selling honey, photography, crafts, jewelry, baked goods, and much more. Um, you can enjoy the start of September um, and a prelude to fall with this free event. Dogs are allowed on leashes, obviously friendly dogs. Um, September 9th to October 28th is the Pirates on the Blackstone. This sounds great for the little kids on Saturdays at Central Falls Landing. Um, you can become a pirate for some excitement, surprises, and a super fun dance party. You can join the zany Captain Good in search of his family's treasure. Um, watch out for other pirates. Help locate the treasure. Um, zany Captain Good is in search of his father's treasure. Um, watch out for other pirates. Help locate the treasure and have lots of fun. It's a 45-minute experience, which includes a 20-minute journey on the water. Um, it's great for kids of all ages. Um, it, it departs September 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. and October 6 and 7 p.m. Um, and last but not least, this also sounds awesome, Saturday, September 9th is the Trifecta Festival from 12 to 10.30 p.m. at Saugatucket Park in Wakefield. Um, it's a free all-day event that features 40 artisans, performers, demonstrations, children's activities, local breweries, um, and food trucks. You'll also be able to have the chance to visit the artists in their studios with a self-guided tour. Um, during the evening, the music will bring the center of the town to life. Open studios are 11 to 5, artisans are 1 to 7, and music is 6.30 to 10.30. That's awesome. So just to recap here, we've got PVD Fest coming up. We've got the Cranston Greek Festival, the Seven Cedars Farm Fall Festival. We have the Pirates on the Blackstone, and we have the Trifecta Festival. The uh, Like we always talk about, Rhode Island never has its shortage of opportunities to eat some good food. I love that. Uh, I can't wait for the Greek Festival, honestly. We have so much culture uh, so many cultural opportunities here in Rhode Island, here in our small little state to kind of dive into so many different, you know, cultures, types of food, types of drinks. I love all of that. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. I'm excited for fall. It should be great. Yeah. And I mean, here in Rhode Island, we have the best fall opportunities. I mean, we get we get the best weather at all times. You know, we got we got the great food, the beer. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for the kids to enjoy things. You got the weather changing. So it, it, there's a lot of fun things on the horizon, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to all of them. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being here, guys. And if you want looking for more information on any of these, you can find Jen at riblogger.com. Jen, thanks so much. Great talking to you. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you. This is the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 AM and 1047 FM. I'm Andrew Hogan from the Dispirito Team, filling in for Emilio Dispirito today. I can be found at 401-588-2002.